Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Marty Becker. Dr. Becker is known as America's veterinarian, and he has spent his life working toward better health for pets and the people who love them. In recent years, his realization that it's impossible to provide for pets physical well-being without equal focus on their emotional well-being led him to found the Fear Free Initiative. Because the anxiety and stress of veterinary visits was preventing pets from receiving the veterinary care they need and deserve, Dr. Becker brought together veterinary behaviorists and dozens of other experts and leaders in the field to develop an educational program to train veterinarians in easing the fear and anxiety of their patients and clients. This training and certification program launched in March of 2016. Dr. Becker was the resident veterinary contributor on Good Morning America for 17 years and is currently a member of the board of directors of the American Humane Association. He serves as an adjunct professor at his alma mater, the Washington State University College of Veterinary Medicine and Practices at North Idaho Animal Hospital. Dr. Becker, I'm just so thrilled to have you on the show today. Well, you know what? I got to give you a compliment first off. You pronounce veterinarian right. So many people mispronounce it that are in the business for decades. It's not an easy, there's too many syllables. So veterinarian, vet, usually people just go vet, but uh, veterinarian, good job. Well, oh, thank you. So I, I start off with an A plus for the day. You do. You got an A plus. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And Dr. Becker, I just wanted to find out, how did you get started in caring about animals? Well, I had a blessed experience. I grew up on a small family farm in southern Idaho. We had dairy cows, beef cows, chickens, pigs, sheep, horses, goats. It was like the ark unloaded there. And (laughs) it was kind of neat because our dairy cows had names and I still remember some early lessons about caring for animals. So our dogs are all outdoor dogs. The cats were barn cats. And one of my jobs was to gather the eggs before you came in to finally have breakfast. So you got up early, you went outside, no matter what the weather, to do the the barn chores, help with the milk cows. And then so you picked the eggs and brought them in. And then they were washed and weighed and sorted and sold at a local grocery store. But when you get in there really early in the morning, especially in the wintertime when it was dark, these chickens, quite a few would be roosting, some would be on the nest. And when you went to get the eggs underneath them, they'd peck you or it took a long time to kind of move them out of the way. So one day I just thought, well, I'll just stand in front of this, looks like a postal boxes, right? And just went, bah, like that. <laughs> and they all flew off and they just picked the eggs up. Well, feathers were floating down, but man, this was efficient. So saved about five minutes and all that worked pretty good for about two weeks till dad caught me. And I came out of there. She said, he tapped me on the shoulders. You know, I thought it was a ghost. I was that young age where you're terrified in the dark. And he goes, uh, I'll hand it to you. That was efficient, but that's not the way we do things. 
we have to love these animals. We have to take care of these animals. And kind of like the modern, you know, the older version of the happy cow, happy farmer, you know, thing. Right. So then was part of that migration of biblical proportions where I saw pets move from the, in our case, from the barnyard to the backyard, to the back door, to the bedroom, Mm -hmm. or from other houses, you know, outside to inside, underneath the covers. And so that, that's really the thing that changed things really for me was now this dog, this cat no longer had a utilitarian role to get rid of rodents or to herd cattle or retrieve ducks or guard our stuff, but they switched to more of an emotional role. And so that's how that affection connects and that bond got lit up and then took that love to a whole nother level. That's very interesting. I start, I'm starting to think like, you know, the word of evolution to companion cats rather than right. having your community cats, but yet companion cats can also fall within community cats in many ways too. Um, as people have indoor cats, there's a lot of compassion and companion there, but we have this sort of big nebulous concept of community cats in many of our work. And you talked earlier in the pre-show interview about what your passion is right now. And your passion is focusing on a concept called the Fear-Free Initiative. Specifically, what is that? Well, you know, I just had my 62nd birthday, and I've flown 4 million miles just on Delta. So (laughs) I've flown about 5 million miles. I've been in 81 countries, all 50 states. I happen to be married to the love of my life. We've been married 38 years. We're extremely close. I live up in this incredible log house in extreme northern Idaho, so 15 miles from Montana, 30 miles from Washington State, six miles from Canada behind us. I'd like nothing more than to enjoy more time at home with my wife and my family and my grandkids and all our animals. But I was at a a veterinary meeting, and you know, sometimes you're, I'm not complaining because I've enjoyed every year of this, and my wife and I've got to see the world, and it's not that all that travel's bad, but you reach a point in your life where you're just not quite as, you know, sleeping up in a different hotel or flying cross country back and forth all the time isn't as easy. But a, a veterinary behaviorist named Karen Overall was in a, a conference I was at in Canada. So I gave the keynote one day and she gave the keynote the next day. And she talked about how fear is the worst thing a social species could experience and how it causes permanent damage to the brain. In our handling of animals, and she was talking specifically about the veterinary community, we were causing repeat severe psychological damage to pets and talked about how we you know where fear comes from, you know, something painful or disturbing, how it can manifest itself into maladaptive fear to where you don't even have to have the fear triggered. Like the pet doesn't have to get the shot. The pet doesn't have to have its nails trimmed too short. It just has to get in the car to go to the vet or turn down one street, and that's that's maladaptive fear. So myself and some other people in the audience were shaken and stirred that day. I mean, I, ha- I felt like I had an awakening because nobody gets in this profession or what you do to make life worse for animals. Okay. So when you hear that you've dedicated your life to this, but by what you're doing or not doing, you're causing repeat severe psychological damage to pets. It changed my life. Instead of retiring, I'm refiring. And we <laughs> gathered a, a group. We have 200 people on a fear-free advisory panel, and Temple Grandin's one of them. Temple Grandin is gifted. Temple Grandin is a aunt. I'm not that. I'm not like, hey, I've known this my whole life, you know, and 
Now I just want to tell everybody what's been in my heart and head for years, my master plan. Far from it. I'm, I'm a popularizer. I'm an educator. I'm evangelical when I get behind something. And so of these 200 people, 40 of them are boarded veterinary behaviors, 13 are boarded veterinary technician specialists. Uh, there's the head of ethology at MIT, the head of integrative medicine at the Mayo Clinic, the head of the Cognition Research Center at Duke. And then there's medical experts and, and student leaders and, and uh, TV personalities, you know, like Jackson Galaxy and Kate Benjamin and, and uh, Brian McMillan and, and Victoria Stillwell, people from the zoo world that pioneered teaching zoo animals to present themselves for services. How could we do that and teach an animal to present itself for services rather than having to be restrained? There was a steering committee formed that formed eight task forces. The eight task forces created eight online modules. And so now people involved with animal care, whether it's a veterinarian, a technician, somebody working in, in the community cat rescue, shelter personnel can all go on and take these eight online modules and become fear-free certified. Very interesting. It sounds like a very dynamic group that you have there. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall on those meetings, that's for sure. <laughs> well, one thing that's interesting, you never know when you launch something. You know, you you have a beautiful website. I was looking at your website today. Oh. You know, the Community Cats podcast. I love that logo. You'd start something and go, well, is there a, an unmet or undermet need? Do people want this? And so with Fear Free, you know, man, I was on fire. Everybody involved was on fire, but you got to launch and see what happens. So we launched April 1st at the AHA meeting in Austin, Texas. The American Animal Hospital Association is AHA. And we had budgeted to have 1,000 people Fear Free certified by the end of the year, and we're going to end up somewhere around 6,000. So it's just taken animal care by, by storm. And I want to say, too, it's not easy. It's not like cat-friendly practice. I support the cat-friendly practice initiative. I'm a part of AEFP and really support them, but that's a pretty pretty basic. This is a lot of rigor. It takes 9 to 17 hours to go through these modules, and you get race-approved CE. But, I mean, it is very detailed, very detailed but doable. You know, the like each module had three boarded behaviorists. They have subject matter experts depending on what the module's on, but we always had two general practitioners plus a pet owner pet expert just to make sure that, you know what, this is not just something you can do at Tufts or Cornell or Washington State University or Animal Medical Center in New York. We can do this in our community. Looking for a great tool to help educate your neighbors about community cats? Check out this sign available from the folks at Lumen LS, a life-saving organization from Broward County, Florida, that believes no cat should be left behind. This sturdy, bright orange sign featuring an ear-tipped cat would be great for cat colony caretakers, shelters and rescues, spay-neuter clinics, or municipalities and animal control organizations. Education about the correct ways to manage community cats is exploding in the U.S., especially in the last five years. This sign will help you let your community know that ear-tipped cats have been fixed and vaccinated and pose no threat to them. The community cat sign comes complete with all of the hardware you need to post it, Buying and posting the sign will help move animal welfare forward and improve outcomes for cats in your area. You can view and purchase the signs directly from our Facebook page at Lumen LS. They also have a colorful informational brochure about community cats plus lots of other resources. Support the Community Cats podcast and LumenLS.org by going to LumenLS on Facebook today. 
if we are sort of either a volunteer or a, a layperson or a small rescue or shelter group, are there some components for this uh, initiative that we could take away and be able to provide our cats with a little bit of less stress and fear and anxiety today? Oh, absolutely. This is something I want to emphasize. I'm not want to talk down to anybody like, my gosh, how could you be doing this to these pets? I, I have loved animals since I was a young man and all through my life. And to finally realize that we were causing repeats of psychological damage to pets. I mean, it's just, you know, once you know it, you can't not know it. You know, once you, once you realize what we've done. So I'll give you an example. Module one is just how to get an animal to the vet, to the groomer, to daycare, on vacation, in a fear-free state. Rather than getting the carrier out the night before the morning of the visit and stuffing the cat in there, uh, how do you actually start a week out and create this, it's almost a spa-like experience. You know, We have you start this magic carpet ride of pheromones. We have you for about probably a third of the cats that come into North Idaho Animal Hospital where you know, I've owned or co-owned seven veterinary hospitals in my lifetime. Now I'm just an associate veterinarian working for uh, a really nice husband and wife that own a practice in Sandpoint, Idaho. Probably 33% of the cats that come in there are sedated by the owner before they leave home. So we we can use some basic chill pills, which are more nutraceuticals. That's, uh, you know, a green tea extract. Some are a, a different kind of a, a Chinese medication with uh, with herbal bark. But some of them, it, that just is not enough. So they got to go to something like gabapentin or something like uh, Cymbodol or oral buprenorphine. And rather than the cat being effed, which I don't mean that in a vulgar sense, I mean that in the cat was effed coming to the practice, is they're going to fight, flight, or uh, fight, flight, or fidget. And mm-hmm. we want it to be the fourth F is like, Far out, man. This is nice. <laughs> like, just like your college roommate. You thought, I don't know what he's on, man, but he sure looks happy. It's inexpensive. It's safe. But rather than them just being thinking they're going to die, it actually ends up being a pleasant visit. And and I'll tell you how you can tell it's a pleasant visit. Before Fear Free, I bet you only 20% of the cats would take treats in our hospital. Now we're up to about 70% of cats will take a food reward in, a, in our fear-free hospital. And, and we're not the highest. I mean, Ilana Rodan right. uh, is in the 85% range, but we're getting there. Mm-hmm. Better treats, less stress, changing the way we, we do our animal handling. But you'll, you'll learn, uh, you know, and there's things there for community cat, for shelter workers. In fact, I'm doing a webinar this, uh, this Wednesday. There's already about 1,000 shelter people signed up through Maddie's Fund. They're going to take, uh, I'm going to go through and do a, an education thing, and then they're all eligible to become, to sign up and go online. That's excellent. Yeah, I, I had seen that posting that Maddie's had partnered with you to put out a webinar, and that's that's excellent. Maddie's is a fantastic organization, and they have been on the show in an earlier episode. So I, I thank them for their continued support. And yeah, so with community cats, what are your thoughts having a cat coming into a practice versus having the veterinarian go to the house? That's just not a viable scenario in the real world. Oh, no, I think they should come. There's, in fact, I think 
what we've got to do, we have several people that are in house call practices on the Fear Free Advisory Panel, and also the people that work in pet sitting. So many cat owners, you got this medicine, you got to get in your cat or on your cat, and it doesn't go well. You know, it's not something you do regularly. And it's a bond breaker. I mean, you can get to where the cat wants to hide from you, doesn't even want to see you. You know, it can change the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so many times the medicine ends up in the cabinet and not, not enter on the cat. So in many cases now, we'll team up with pet sitters, which are often, these be veterinary technicians. So now, because it's not just fear-free for the pet, it's fear-free for the pet owner. You know, if I know that I can have somebody <laughs> come over and help me, treat this cat, I will feel so much better. Because what, what they do is they never tell the vet. They're almost always embarrassed or feel guilty. And so the, the, the pet doesn't, you know, take the benefit of the, of the medications. And other times I'd recommend they go to a feline only practice. I'd recommend that they never leave home, that they use a house call, whatever's, whatever, you know, what Fear Free basically is, instead of just looking at physical well-being like we did for decades, now we look at physical and emotional well-being. And unless it's an emergency, unless it's a hit by car or uh, got into antifreeze or something where you just have to forget everything as far as emotional well-being and save a life, you want to make sure the emotional well-being is taken care of first before you ever go to physical well-being. So I practiced last Friday and had a pet that everything was going fine until there was a clank in the back and it must have triggered something in its mind and it started panting and it was, uh, it was actually a cat. And when cats pant, they're really stressed. So I think it was really yeah. stressed. So before, before Fear Free, honestly, we'd have got another technician in there and held it down. It would have been, yeah. you know, it's head in one zip code and it's ass in another zip code and not thought <laughs> nothing of it. Well, now there was three choices. And I went over the owner. I said, you know, we can't continue to as stressed as this cat is. One, we can call it a day and do it again another time where we could give a little something coming in. Two, we can go straight to sedation. Or three, we can give a little oral sedative. And if you don't mind waiting 15 to 30 minutes, it'll probably take effect. And then we can continue. And, and that's what we did. So they were people... Unlike my mother-in-law, who would love nothing more than to reschedule because she could come back and spend about another two hours talking to the people at the vet, you know? (laughs) This is one of those people that even instant gratification takes too long, you know, to even take 30 minutes. But I I wouldn't continue. Uh, I've had had people leave because of it. But for everyone that's left because you're sedating or you're taking it slower, there's a hundred take their place that want that kind of care. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that when you're making a decision, I've had some extremely feral cats that I've owned as indoor ferals. I, you know, I sort of call them the step up from the goldfish in the house. <laughs> and they, I have to kind of look at them. And the thought of bringing them into a veterinarian for any sort of treatment is, it's a huge, huge, and they will have to be sedated, you know, through the whole process, it's a big decision. So it's not something that we do lightly, put it that way. And, you know, when I had to bring them in for dentals, I would say, you know, let's take as much as we can out because we don't want to come back here in a year's time. So you have to make these decisions. And you know, the thing we used to love, uh, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, speaking to veterinarians yesterday and, and technicians. And when I ask them, I start out the lecture with this question. How many of you hate to take your own pets to the vet? 
and it's it's 90% of us. So it's not like it's some nebulous thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's a few clients. Nobody wants to take their pet to the vet. Like, it, you know, it's fun to go with your pet to the pet store because the dog gets to wee-wee on everything and they, they usually get a treat, get a toy or something. And so there's pets there and people there that all want to be there. At the vet hospital, the pets don't want to be there. The people don't want to be there. So it's a it's a whole different you know, pheromonal vibe. You know, we all love the cat that froze. It's like, oh my God, why can't they all just be like this? It just sits there, right? <laughs> well, what what happens in the, it's called the defense cascade. But the first thing, if I was to fire off a stun gun right now or shoot a gun or just go help or something, you know, the first thing is awareness, like something's going on. And then mm-hmm. it's fight or flight. And then, yeah. and then it finally goes down to collapsing immobility. That's that's when you're just you're you're gonna die. You're you're done for. That that boy in Syria that was on that ambulance that you saw mm-hmm. caked with mud. The, yeah. I can't I can't get that out of my mind. That was collapsing immobility. That dog that comes in the veterinary hospital and just lays down and acts like it's going to sleep. I thought to think, well, man, that those are so relaxed. It just comes in, closes its eyes, and goes to sleep. No. It thinks it's going to die. And the cat that's frozen on the table, it doesn't move. It's scared to death. So the cat that's fighting for its life is the same as the cat that's sitting there frozen. The dog mm-hmm. that's, that's snarling and snapping and back in a corner with, uh, with its rough up is the same as the dog that's laying there on the floor access going to sleep. They're literally scared to death. So now we've got through Fear Free, we, we've got it to where dogs will actually want to come to the clinic, will tow their owners into the clinic and are hesitant to leave the exam room. I'm I'm not exaggerating. I practiced last Friday and two times I went out with somebody and was thought they were following me to go out to the counter to check out. And I looked back and the leash was going in the exam room. They were trying to get the dog to go out of the exam room. Mm. because the dog's just thinking, oh my God, there's got to be some more shrimp in here, some more turkey. (laughs) And cats are neutral. I I can't say that, you know, cats are going to fight to get in there, but we've got most of them where, you know what, this is not even the worst thing that's happened this week. And when you get, you know, that many percent of cats that that are using treats, you're doing something right. So Dr. Becker, if there are folks that are interested in finding out more about Fear Free or the work that you're doing, how could they find you? Well, I have a, a popular Facebook page, Dr. Marty Becker. We have getting close to 700,000 fans, but are real, real active. We put a lot of effort into it. My website is drmartybecker.com. There's a, a free newsletter there. It's about 55,000 people signed up for the newsletter, which there's no advertisement or anything, but it's stuff you won't see anywhere else. I have a nasty syndicated column through Universal Press. I'm still on network TV in New York. I was just on Dr. Oz a couple of weeks ago, but all those kind of things when, you know, I'm on Rachel Ray's show or if I've got a new book coming out or we've got a, some feature, it's always on the calendar at drmartybecker.com. And my online home is Vet Street, V-E-T Street. My daughter's a well-known trainer and she's on there with me. But I guess if I could only have one place, if you could only <laughs> have one, I would have you follow this movement at fearfreepets.com. We are about two to three years away from having literally a pet adopted from a fear-free shelter that lives in a fear-free home, that goes to a fear-free veterinarian, that is referred to a fear-free groomer, fear-free trainer, fear-free daycare, fear-free boarding, fear-free dog walks. 
to where all of us that care about animals look at their emotional well-being and not just to try to prevent, reduce, or remove fear, anxiety, and stress in their lives, but also to dramatically increase the amount of enrichment activities we're giving them. Zoos do a better job than homes do right now of doing enrichment activities with animals. And I think that's the next big thing beyond food, water, shelter, and veterinary care is looking at not just a happy, healthy life, but a happy, healthy, full life. Dr. Becker, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on in the future. I'd love to do it. Thank you, and thank you for all the work that you guys do. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 